Hello. Hi, hello. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank it's you. It's nice to meet you. Yes, same for me. It's really nice to to talk to you. I remember um, hearing you, the interview you did with Chris Brown on Actual Fluency a while ago, and I said I have to get her on the show because I liked <laughs> I liked how you um, taught languages, and I, I was like, this is interesting because there's not a lot of female representation. It's mm -hmm. visible in the language learning community. If there are people, they're hidden. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. Yes. So, and I, I, I enjoyed your talk at Women in Language as well. And, and I said, um, I was telling someone else, I said, I have to get her on because I, I, myself, I would like to know more about how you, you know, got into languages and, you know, Mm -hmm. where you are now and, and I know my listeners would too so yeah um yeah so I can tell you a little bit about um just how I started okay. so um so I'm from Italy so my native language is Italian mm -hmm. um and the first language I started learning was English in school um then I also learned French and German in school but unfortunately I don't remember any of my German so that that's a bit of a shame um, then I I studied Japanese in university because I I have a BA in Asian studies mm -hmm. so after that um, I moved to Japan for two years to study Japanese to improve my Japanese um, and I think my English also really improved there because it was my first time abroad. So it was when I realized that actually the English I had learned in school was not um, was not what I expected. So I could not really have um, confident conversations in English. And that came with living abroad. So first in Japan and then um, in London. Mm -hmm. um, and then after that, so in Japan, I met my current partner, which is um, who is Swedish. So I started to learn Swedish and then eventually moved to Sweden. So that is my old language story, kind of in very, um, yeah, very briefly, that's my, my language story. And now I am starting to learn Spanish. So I have started to learn Spanish actually many times. Not many times, but it's been a while since I've been doubling with it. Mm -hmm. um, I do understand quite a bit because Italian is my native language, so there are a lot of similarities. But I can't really produce much of the language, so um, I would like to dedicate more time to it. I haven't been able to do more than doubling until now, but that's definitely my next um, language on my wish list. Okay. Well, yeah, because Spain is right next to you. So, yeah, I, I could see that. And then, too, yeah. there's, there's Latin America and Mexico, Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic. And, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I'm curious, um, what, um, in, in regards to, you know, preparation time, 
um, what was your like routine for your languages? I mean, especially because you had to live in Japan for two years. I mean, did you have a mm-hmm. routine? Did you like get up like at five o'clock in the morning and listen to podcasts or have a course like teach yourself or asino or did you just do the whole immersion method where you just dived in and just start speaking? Um, yeah, so in Japan, I was actually studying at a Japanese language school. So I was pretty much doing that um, full time. Okay. So before that, I had started, um, I had studied a little bit during my BA, but it was really just an overview. So I had a very low level of Japanese. Mm-hmm. And then when I decided that I would move to Japan, um, I started to use, um, it's called Japanese Pod 101, I think. Oh, yes. Yeah, that got me to a level where I could at least, uh, when I arrived to Japan, I could at least, you know, find my way to the place where I would live and um, register myself at the um, uh, local office. So at least I could speak a little bit because in Japan, except for touristic places, uh, they don't really speak English so much. Right. So that really helped me to have um, a basic level that could, um, you know, help me through the first weeks when I was settling. Um, and then I was um, studying full time. So the first months I was only studying. And then when I could speak a bit better, I started to work part time um, at a cat cafe. Mm-hmm. So... That helped me with speaking, of course, because I had to interact with people the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I would go to school half of the day and then the other half of the day I would um, do homework. So it was quite intensive because um, it brings people pretty much from zero to an advanced level in two years. So it was a pretty intensive course. Um, but yeah, that's the way I learned Japanese. Oh wow! For yeah, it was um, it was a very intense, very intense two years, really. Um, for other languages that I have studied when I was actually working, so for example, Swedish, um, I started with some apps. So I was using Bubble for a time. Um, then I got myself. Um, some workbooks, so some textbooks, um, and I would study a little bit on those. I would implement with some podcasts for um, improving my listening. I studied with um, an online teacher for, I think, about a year. And then when I moved to Sweden here, they offer some courses to um, to people. I'm sorry about that. For some reason, while we were talking, it decided to drop the call. Okay, it happens. <laughs> no, um, um, no problem. We were so at where uh, we yeah. were at the part where you were talking about um, having to move to Sweden, and you had um, studied with a Swedish tutor for about a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, so after that, I had, um, I would say, an intermediate level, so I, I could speak 
Um, but then when I actually moved, I started to learn. Um, so they have public courses for immigrants. So that really helped me to move past the intermediate level. And now I can um, read novels and I can speak about more advanced topics. So it was really great to actually have the possibility to, to join this kind of course. Um, since you've learned all these languages, what are you doing now, um, you know, in regards to, you know, work and were you able mm -hmm. to find, you know, like, are you teaching or, I mean, because I know. Yes, so I, mm -hmm. yeah, so I'm doing different things all related to language. So um, I teach um, Italian. I have. Um, taught some Italian courses here um, in person, so in a class environment. Um, I also um, do translation work, so from English to Italian. Um, and I have a business based on language learning, so where I support introverted and anxious language learning. So that is more of a um, language coaching or language mentoring kind of service. Mm -hmm. So yeah, all of my um, all of my work activities revolve along, around languages. Yeah. Um, I'm just curious for you know those people that kind of want to get into that type of um, field because you know I mean most people when they hear working with languages as an example the two jobs they hear the most are interpreting and translation and then they get them mixed up you know because they think the translation mm -hmm. is spoken and it's written and yeah. um and i'm just curious like what advice would you give to somebody who would want to do their own mentoring or their own coaching you know mm -hmm. um business because i mean a lot of people are you know, they're teaching, like I have my own TEFL certification to teach business English mm -hmm. and English for young people. And I volunteer time, you know, teaching 18 65 year olds who immigrated from all over Eastern Europe, Asia, Latin America, the Middle East, so forth, certain parts of Africa. And, um, you know, I mean, I found it rewarding, you know, doing mm -hmm. in-class work with people. Um, however, um, you know, if you want to take it to the next level and put it online, you know, what, what advice would you give somebody who's just starting out and, and wanting to do that sort of thing? Mm -hmm. um, so I'm thinking the first thing that I did was to open a blog where I would share articles and then I would connect with other people in the language learning community. Um, so I think making connections is really the first thing. So first, maybe with a blog or a, a podcast or any platform really that the person enjoys because it doesn't have to be a blog. It can be a podcast or a YouTube channel. Um, get yourself out there and like get people to know you and to know what um, your teaching style is, what your ideas about language learning are because I think we all have different ways to teach and to learn. So of course we can find a teacher that um, we really click with and then, you know, it's a great match and it's a great way to learn. 
um, and some other people maybe have a different style, so maybe they're not right for us. So I think getting people to know how we work, it's really, it's really important. Um, and connecting um, with people through social media or um, through any form of networking really that works for us because um, you both get important networking connections and you also learn from others because of course we don't have all of the answers about um, teaching and learning languages and I think that it really enriched me the experience of talking with other people in the community um, learning about new methods and um, new tools so um, I think that part is really important as well so yeah I would I would say start with that um, and then maybe think of something that you can give that is specific to you so I don't know maybe something that has to do with your personality or with um, the way you like to learn um, and so on Yeah, because I, I've noticed a lot of people, um, you know, I, I actually got an offer from somebody to teach in Uganda. Mm -hmm. And I said, uh, I would love to do that. However, I can't come physically to Uganda. Mm -hmm. And like, they started a nonprofit organization to help disabled kids to like young adulthood so it was like age two to like 24 years old but they just mm -hmm. didn't have like visual impairments they had other disabilities on top of that um mm -hmm. and some of the you know diseases that have inflicted western europe that's been eradicated like polio um cerebral palsy so forth and so on mm -hmm. that these these young people have and you know, the person wants to teach them Braille and the person weak is on Hello. Hi. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This connection. But as I was saying, they, I, um, they wanted me to come and, you know, teach their kids. And mm -hmm. they felt, my heart, even though I've only been out for a year, um, that, their teachers liked my, my show um, because it was ran by someone that had limited vision and, and, and someone in, in their country who have limited sight loss or no sight loss at all. They didn't really have the opportunities to, you know, go to school, or get a job, or create a podcast. So, and so, that was a big, I was a big inspiration in that. And I sat there and I said, well, I mean, yes, but I said, there's no way I could come to, you know, Uganda. Because mm -hmm. here in the U.S., you might have people that travel, but not everyone has a passport. You know, yeah. so you don't need to go outside of it if you don't want to. I mean, you can go to Canada, you can go to Mexico, the Bahamas, the Caribbean. You know, but if you're going anywhere past there, it's like, unless you want to go to Europe or Asia, but that's still a lot. And a lot of people that are disabled and they get disability, so they don't, mm -hmm. they get like, 
for all their expenses, housing, transportation, clothing, etc. Mm -hmm. And then they might get food assistance. And when you kind of add that up, it's under 1K a month. So it's not like someone can afford a $200 passport and then a flight ticket, hotel. It's, you know, far few in between. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I said, brought the person, I said, well, what about if we did it online? You know, because now people can do Skype and Zoom and, and all that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. And he was telling me how bad Zoom uh, was. Like, they were using computers in like 2006. So, you know, because it's a third world country, they really don't learn the funding to update their computers, their technology, their internet is really poor. I'm just like, wow, you know, mm -hmm. I would, I would have loved to have helped them, you know, improve upon their English, especially their, their conversational. Yeah. And to that people, you know, um, at all. And thank God for you know, um, the web and, and being a podcast. Um, I mean, personally, listeners on Friday, and I sat there and I said to myself, if I'm coming through twice a week, 70 different countries from around the Hundred people. There's like a hundred people listening to my podcast. So, you know, I'm very happy that I can share. I Hello. I am so sorry. You know what is going on with this? I think it's the internet. Yeah, it seems like it. Yeah, well, it's not not a problem. Yeah. So I mean, for me, I I do feel like you know the whole community is an amazing community of people that you know are just doing really great things, and I see people collaborating like constantly, and um. I was just telling Kirsten Cable earlier this morning that I um, was so inspired by what her and Lindsay and Shannon had done with women mm -hmm. language that it yeah. made me want to create my own language learning um, event next year for people to attend. Um, mm -hmm. I'm actually going to base it off of, because I don't, I see a lot of people, but I don't see a lot of minorities not not as mm -hmm. many as you know there are on in some of these groups so i wanted to tackle that and have a um conference where you know people from the african-american community the latina community people in the middle east asians and people that are blind and visually impaired could come and speak you know different people you are mm -hmm. a part of the language learning community, whether they're teachers or whether whatever it is that they're doing to contribute to the community. Um, mm -hmm. You know, that 
there can be a platform for them to to speak at because like I I see Langfest, I see the Polyglot Gathering, the Polyglot Conference, but there's just not enough minorities that are speaking or you know, if they're around, they're in hiding. Just mm-hmm. like with women, we're around, but you only see far few in between. So yeah. I said, why not collaborate with other people? I mean, because right now I, I'm thinking about 30 people all together, a three-day event online, and it would be extremely affordable. So regardless if the speakers come from these different demographics, everybody's welcome to buy a ticket. Everyone's welcome to ask questions. And I'm going to do a, something a little bit different. Um like they were taking questions at women in language inside the chat, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I would have a chat, but I also would take questions from Facebook, um, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter, you know, make mm-hmm. it a little bit more bigger in that regard. And, you know, I'm willing to get help from anybody in the community who wants to collaborate. Cause this would be the first time I've ever done this. So I'm giving myself 14 months to put this together because I want to make sure that it's done right. Mm-hmm. And, and I said, anyone that wants to help, you know, behind the scenes, I'm more than happy to, to have as much help as possible, you know, in collaboration. I just want everyone to know that, you know, these are the, these are the people that I'm focusing on as far as like the speakers are concerned. Because I know mm-hmm. that when they created Women in Language last year, some people in the community didn't know how to take it because men were, they, they thought that they were excluding men, mm. which, I mean, it was basically for women and by women so other women can have other women to refer to. Mm-hmm. But that yeah. doesn't mean that. participate in the conversation they just wasn't going to be Mm -hmm. speaking yeah so i mean once they understood that then they started to understand why it was created for in the first place i mean because if you think about it the language learning community is very much male driven yeah absolutely yeah and and i feel that okay if it's going to be male driven that's fine but i mean let's be honest the endorsements are going to the guys and the sponsorships are going to the, you see what I'm saying? And I've talked to people um, since participating in women in language. I've met so many cool people and made so many friends and connections and gotten into different groups mm-hmm. because of it. Um, that now, like I'm collaborating with other people to, you know, make this, this happen. Um, because I said, you know, we don't have enough online participation. I mean, because let's face it, not everybody lives in Europe. Not everybody can go to the polyglot gathering or some people can go to Langfest, but some people, even if Canada's right next door financially, they Mm -hmm. just can't afford it. So I said, well, why not create another online conference like in I decided to put mm-hmm. it in July, mainly because people would be able to 
to come to it. It would be affordable. Um, I would make it affordable. However, there is a caveat to that. If people want to speak directly to, I mean, I will have like a, you know, Facebook page where they can, they can post their questions or whatever. But if they want a real meet and greet with the person, that's 70 mm -hmm. bucks. You know, and if they want the actual videos, that's like 130. So if you want both, mm -hmm. that's 200 bucks. But if you want to go to the event, it's mm -hmm. 45 yeah. Yeah. for the whole weekend. And if you, if you can't afford it because you're on a fixed income, there's a payment plan. $15 mm -hmm. a month. Nobody yeah. else is doing that. That's true. You know, so I'm looking at it from not only an economic standpoint, but I'm also looking at it from, you know, okay. Um, I get people all the time. I don't see people that look like me. I see a lot of Europeans, but I don't see enough black people. Or I don't see enough visually impaired people or Asian people or Latinas or people mm -hmm. in the Middle East. I was like, I'm going to be honest. I haven't seen anybody in the Middle East. And there's a lot of people who are in the Middle East that are learning languages, teaching languages. I'm like, hey. I mean, I woke up this weekend. Was I was in Shahida Foster's Black Girls Learn mm -hmm. Languages group. And I was talking to someone and it just popped in my head. Well, wait a minute. Why don't I start my own language conference online? And then I'm sure I can get mad support from the language community at large, you know, um, because there's people that have done it. I can get, you know, advice and tips and whatnot, blah, blah, blah. And I had mentioned this to Kirsten. And she was like, oh my God, yes, you need to do this. So yeah, that's, that's my big plan for um, 2020. And also, another thing about that is that that is the, the 100th anniversary of women in this country having the right mm -hmm. to vote. Okay. And so therefore, I look at it as if an African-American woman who's visually impaired is starting a language conference 100 years after women had the right mm -hmm. to vote, and then another 60 years or 50 years after, well, wait. 55 years after, you know, the Voting Rights Act and, and the Civil Rights Act, um, you know, here in the U.S. for, for African-Americans. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then another 30 years for the ADA. So, I mean, for me, that, that symbolizes a lot because as a woman, as someone that's a minority, as someone that's disabled, that, that goes a long way. I mean, that's as we come a very long way in a very short amount of time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I guess I look at it as, you know, um, right now I am, I am actually learning Italian, actually. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, I'm actually reading the uh, Hunger Italiano and um, I'm um, Il Petrino. Okay. Oh, okay. That's as well. Nice. So so um, I'm actually finding it a lot mm -hmm. of fun because um, I love Italian, Italian cinema. I studied film and theater in college. That's my background. So I studied that and I love Italian fashion. I mean, one of my favorite designers was mm -hmm. Johnny Versace. 
And I love Italian food. So my whole goal is to be able to make pascaltis and cannolis from scratch using an, an authentic Italian recipe in oh, Italian. Nice. And um, oh. so, you know, like, I can actually understand Italian a lot more than I can speak it. Like, my, my level of, of um, passive learning is pretty mm -hmm. high. Yeah. Even though I, if someone asked on Twitter this week, what what word did you learn in in the target language that you're speaking? And I was like, <laughs> I learned Kalamunsa. Okay. <laughs> and then they were like, what the hell? And I was like, well, it means clemency in Italian. <laughs> you know. So, I mean, and I kept hearing this word come up in the book, and I'm like, what the heck does this mean? You know. And then I I typed it in and spelled it correctly, and I was like, clemency. <laughs> I mean, but it just stuck out. It was like one of those things where I was just like, oh, okay. I don't know when I'm ever going to use it, but but I know what it means. And, and I, I do. I, I've always loved the Italian language ever since I was little, mm -hmm. along with French. And I also speak Spanish and Russian, a little bit of Dutch, very basic Brazilian Portuguese, even though I understand it a lot more than I do um Mm -hmm. speak it um but yeah right now i'm focused on my italian and i'm focused on um, my cantonese mm -hmm. and thai okay. as well so yeah i mean for me you know creating this podcast and and showcasing other people and their language learning journeys and my own language learning journey of learning languages using an emerging method and um in conjunction with um audio materials and a mm -hmm. little bit of braille, um, you know, I, I personally feel that a year ago, I would, I didn't know if I would even consider doing a podcast. And then I just said, you know what, if my good friend, Chris Brohome and Ollie Richards can do this, then why can't I? So I yeah. just did it, you know, re recorded my first episode and, and never stopped after that. And when my first polyglot that I got on the show was um, Shannon mm -hmm. Kinnan of Eurolinguist. And then I got Lindsay and Kirsten and then I st started getting more and more people. And I mean, when I first got them on, I was so excited about the prospect of interviewing these people that, you know, I talked to on Facebook, ask questions, so forth and so on. But to actually have a conversation about what they do and how they do it and share it with the world. I mean, literally, I jumped up and down like a 12-year-old yeah. in a candy store somewhere. Yeah. I mean, it was just, you know, and I was like, wow, I just made this a reality. This is really happening. And so, I mean, I've gotten to interview a lot of people. Um, Ollie Richards and Vladimir Scaltetti, Lydia Makova, um, Alex Rawlings, uh, Richard Simcott, um, uh, Robin McPherson, um Susanna Zarevsky, Jimmy Mello, um, Tech Sue Young, Chris Brohom, um, a couple people from YouTube, um, Angela Pecavella, who is, um, has the channel Passion for Dreaming, um, and then um, Mary, uh, the Polyglot Girl, um, Asrin, Asrin the Language Nerd, David James, um, I did interview Jessica Brown and um, 
um, Caddy Nadoy and um, Jordan Akins last week, and then um, Carolyn Caspers, along with um, uh, Destiny Arbor oh, wow. yeah. as well. So I mean, so when I I finish this week. Oh, also Shahida Foster, mm -hmm. I yeah. interviewed as well. So tomorrow I have uh, <laughs> um, Tamara Marie okay. from um, Learn Spanish Consalsa, along with um, Shannon Kennedy's coming back to talk about Drop and Antoine Challenge. And then I'm taking a vacation for a couple weeks. And then when I come back, I'm going to re-record my interview with Andy Roberts, the Oregon Polyglot. And then I have Luca Lampriello. Stephen Krashen, um, um, Stu J. Raj and his wife, Women's Order Raj, and then um, Steve Kra uh, Kaufman in July, Kalal Lousies, a friend of mine uh, from Kazakhstan, uh, Mirabay. So I have a lot mm -hmm. of people yeah. left to interview. I, I mean, there's still other people that I, I want to get um, to come on the show. I do actually want to interview Benny Lewis at some point. Um, mm -hmm. Just tell him thank you because his, I read his fluent in three month book like five years ago, and that got me cracking with mm -hmm. speaking. Yeah, from day one, and then afterwards, um, I left his his realm of of language learning and went towards more Ollie Richards, Luca Lampriello mm -hmm. side of things, and then of course um, Moses McCormick. Um, I've been, I've been following all these people for like four or five years now and um, struck up rapports. So, I mean, it's, it's, they've influenced me and from what they've said, I've influenced them, you know, with, you know, how I, mm -hmm. I learn languages and because everything I do is by ear, nothing's yeah. written down, not one word. And so. I use like Michelle Thomas. I do use um, Innovative Language Learning, the POT 101 series. Um, I actually have a friend that works there. And so I test out the languages that I want to learn. And she'll give me like three months subscription for free to try it out. And I'll just download all the information. Mm -hmm. And then after the subscription's over, I get to keep all the stuff that I downloaded to use. So, um, I mean, like I do want to learn Japanese. Egyptian Arabic, Swahili, and um, Hindi at some point. So, um, but yeah, she um, was very kind to let me download all the languages I wanted. So I, I got all the languages I wanted. And then I was like, okay, when I get to that language, then I'll use the information. In conjunction with Michelle Thomas, and I read all these um, um, beginner short stories books. Um, I do a lot of YouTubing. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you've done SBS radio. Uh, not really. No, would you recommend it? Yes. Um, it's 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 one of those um podcasts that you can mm -hmm. listen to, like different um, languages. I mean, you name the language, they have it, and um, like. I enjoyed that. NHK World mm -hmm. is another one that's really good. They do theirs every 12 hours. They're mm -hmm. out of Japan. Mm -hmm. 
Um, um, I mean, for people that are learning any language, I pretty much give them everything I've ever used and then some. Um, I try to use a lot of free resources because I refuse to buy like tons of stuff, especially if it's not going to be beneficial mm -hmm. um, for me personally. But I mean, like I, I tried Duolingo. I didn't like it, but a lot of people mm. like Duolingo. But I will recommend Duolingo if I think yeah. it's necessary. You know, I'm just because I don't use it doesn't mean I won't tell somebody about yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, I will do that. Like someone asked me, well, what can I do to improve my languages if I'm on the go? And I said, well, this is what you do. Okay, you don't need like an hour every day. Okay, so if you take a couple pages out of a book, let's say you're reading mm -hmm. Italian. You want to read a couple of pages out of the Hunger Games. Read a couple yeah. pages. Yeah. Okay, fine. Send send a message, a voice message to a friend in Italian. Okay, you got that. Okay, if you want to send the same message, write write mm -hmm. a note down. Write them the message. Send it in voice and text. Okay, you got your writing down. You got your speaking. You got your reading. Listen to a podcast or yeah. a song. Anything that's three minutes to fifteen minutes. You got your listening in. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's it's that simple. You don't have to make it complicated. People think that they have to learn something really quickly mm -hmm. or their life is over. Yeah. Uh no, it's gonna take you a good one to two yeah, years. I agree. To get to a really good foundation. Like I learned uh, Spanish in college. I learned it all by ear before the internet was really cracking before there was social media i had a textbook and the cds that accompanied it and i went down to the learning center and i spent two extra hours every day with a spanish tutor i did probably about 12 and a half hours of mm -hmm. spanish a week yeah. that was two and a half was in class the other 10 hours was outside of class with a tutor and then on top of that, I went home and listened to Telemundo or Univision, or I would listen to uh, El Corto de Pueblo, mm -hmm. for example. And it was a court show and I got a lot out of it or I listened to a telenovela, um, which actually right now, um, um, Sono um, Leguiendo, um, La Programa de Abigail Italiano, Telenovela, um, una uh, la uh, mm. italiano mm. lingua una el mm -hmm. la momento um uh, me piacelo molto um infecto sono um uh, uh leyendo um, uh, audio libro de hunger mm -hmm. italiano um, uh, ahora uh, um Siento. Um. 
because for some reason my I'm trying to get my thoughts together and it's like <laughs> I don't want to say that because that's not in Italian it's in but um yeah my uh yeah I'm listening to that I'm listening to Il Padrino Libro mm-hmm. Ahora um so and I actually love it because I've watched the movie so many times mm-hmm. I said, let me get the ebook of this, and I found the ebook online, and I I bought it, and I I have voiceover, so I listen, I listen to mm-hmm. it in Italian, with the voice in Italian reading it to me okay. in Italian, so that way I'm able to follow along, or if I have my braille display paired to my phone, I'm able to read the words um, in braille in Italian okay. braille um, with my device. And so I'm able to read and write in Italian. Wow. Okay. Um, Braille, which, yeah. So, um, the all the the dramatic languages like Dutch, I know how to do that in, in Braille. Um, French, Spanish, Italian, I can I can read and write mm-hmm. in Braille. Um, now I'm not as proficient as I would like to be, but mm-hmm. you know, I can. And then. Um, Russian I can read in Russian Braille. My writing is not the greatest. I mostly focus on speak, speaking, reading, and listening mm-hmm. 90% of the time. So, and when I'm working with my students, I focus on those areas too because, you know, they want to write everything down, but yet they can't understand a simple mm-hmm. conversation. And a lot of it's because they're not listening. Like I spent two years on Russian alone. One year was worth nothing but speaking. Mm-hmm. The other year, nothing but listening. From 6 a.m. to midnight. And people thought I was crazy. No, I now can have a two or three hour conversation in Russian with somebody who doesn't speak mm-hmm. English. And that's another thing that I no. like. I found that was a good method for me speaking-wise. I don't know if you tried this, where you just spoke with somebody that didn't speak English. English wasn't even a part mm-hmm. of the equation. Yeah. Like, yeah. they knew no yeah, English. Yeah. And I found that it forces you to recall all the vocabulary that yeah, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, You need to find your way to, to so express that, what you want to say. Right. And I mean, if people keep interrupting you in English, your thought pattern just starts shrinking and it's like, you get demotivated because mm-hmm. you know they and I I've noticed this with a lot of people who are second um, English as a second language learners. They they're so focused on perfection. Yeah, and the grammar has to be perfect. And I said, my grammar is not perfect in English. I flub it up all the time. I it, it, you know, and I'm a native speaker. It's my first language. That doesn't mean that I. Yes, I'm fluent in English, yes. But I don't know every single word. I learn new words in English every single day. Yeah, yeah that's true. So uh, you're not going to stop learning at all. And that, that's something that I encourage them to make mistakes. Because they think they have to learn from a grammar book. I'm like, oh no, honey, you don't need a No, oh no. Like I ask them, the first thing I ask is, what do you like to do? Do you like to read? Yeah. What do you like to read? You know, I'm going to think they're going to tell me the Hunger Games mm-hmm. or 
Harry Potter or Game of Thrones or, you know, they like Barclays memoirs, self-help books, something. No. Grammar book. <laughs> okay. You know, I mean, I, I encourage them to look outside of their comfort zone too because it, it is going to be a little bit uncomfortable, especially if it's a language that you're not really familiar with. But if you can do the same things that you do in your target language and that language, you'll have so much more fun yeah. with it. Yeah. I think. And and that that's something that I encourage a lot. Um, I don't know if you do the same thing with your students. I kind of do. So I do like grammar. So I start with grammar. I'm a bit of a grammar geek, but I also really love to use um, authentic materials. So as soon as I have my... Mm -hmm my basics done i really want to start um listening to things that are for natives not like learning podcasts but like things that are for native speakers and read books that are for native speakers so it gets very slowly in the beginning but it's a way to really pick up a lot mm. of vocabulary much faster than through textbooks of course because you see it and you see it again in a book usually you see the same words again and again so it's really a good right. way to remember those words and also as you said to have fun because you know i am a grammar geek but most people don't really like grammar so um it, it's it's not as fun you know to do grammar exercises as it is to read an engaging book so Right. I Well, I know when I learned Spanish, I learned the grammar first mm -hmm. and the vocabulary. And they wanted me to go to Mexico or Cuba, mm -hmm. entonces. And I, I, I said, uh, you know, I got a problem with that because I have no passport. And, you know, there was the mucho dinero yeah. problema. So I said, and I was young. I was like 23, mm -hmm. 24 years old. And that's when I started learning Spanish. I mean, I learned some from like watching Sesame Street and Ricky Martin, Jennifer mm -hmm. Lopez, yeah. stuff like that. But I found that my favorite part of Spanish was the music. Mm. The music, the people, the food, the culture. Not so much speaking the language, but I like singing to it because I come from a artistic background so film and theater mm -hmm. I like to perform so that's what I found I connected with in regards to Spanish and until this day I still listen to the same music mm. believe it or not um you know in Spanish I mean I love Shakira Ricky Martin Jennifer Lopez um Enrique Iglesias Santana so I'll sit there and I'll listen to to the same stuff and I didn't even realize I was fluent in speaking the language until I was talking to someone on WhatsApp that mm -hmm. was from Colombia. And they're like, do you know you're fluent? I'm like, no. You know, because I really, I didn't, I didn't see it yeah. like that. You know, I was just enjoying it. And then I realized, oh, well, if I can learn this and I can learn Russian, I can learn a little bit of French and Italian, I can learn this. Mm -hmm. And then I said, well, I want to give back. So how can I give back my own way? So creating my podcast uh, was one way. I did create a blog, but I need to continue writing it. It's mm -hmm. only a month old. And then me wanting to create this language conference, 
which is probably what 90% of my energy is going to go into besides mm-hmm. the podcast. Because uh, I'm not, I'm not someone that's a content court, you know, creator. Like, I'm not like Ollie or, or um, Lindsay mm-hmm. or Kirsten, where they can create courses and stuff. I, I'm just not that mm-hmm. type of person. I'm more, I'm more on the audio yeah. side of things. Like, you know, I don't mind putting together events and, you know, getting people to come together and to share their expertise. I'm more like a project manager on mm. that end yeah. than, okay, I need to write a book. I need to create a course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so. But um, I enjoy bringing people together in that, re- in that regard. And, and I'm even considering um, eventually, once I get all of this off the ground, Creating a nonprofit organization okay. yeah. uh, to to um, help people that are you know that want to learn languages, you know, um, because I, I especially if you're disabled or you're a minority or you're just someone that wants to learn, you yeah. know, for the sake of learning, um, yeah. not not because you want to become filthy rich, and. Um, Dave Prime, when I interviewed him a few weeks ago, said, I like your podcast because you're not trying to sell mm-hmm. anything. You're, you're actually giving people real information that's going to help them. I mean, you're not talking about, I want to sell this or you need to buy this. And it was like, I see that a lot with people. I was like, well, that's because they want to make a livelihood from it. I was like, okay, if you want to become rich off of it, you know, you're going to have to start off doing stuff for mm-hmm. free getting getting a, a, a nice strong base behind you and then the money will come but if that, that's the first thing you're thinking about you know realistically okay how successful are you really going to be mm. if it's not yeah. to help people and I've always been someone that likes yeah. to help people so it's that that that's something that you know with languages to be able to communicate to somebody in another language or order a meal in another language and not have to refer back to English because English is my first language, my native tongue. It's, you know, I love it. I mean, I can, I can live if I wanted to live in Italian all day long, mm-hmm. you know, or live in yeah. French all day long because yeah. it's, it's like embedded in me. Like I've always been someone that's been connected with language and people. And because I'm a people person, I try to use my, my platform to, you know, open up people's eyes to that there's a wider world out there if you learn French or you learn Cantonese or you learn Mandarin or you learn, you know, Tibetan, for instance. Actually, there is a Tibetan Braille code that someone made by accident. I don't know. Of, I don't know it, but I, I did doing some research I did find out that and I was like wow now that's that's awesome someone created a Tibetan braille code that's mm-hmm. like freaking awesome you know um I mean I would love for them to come out because I would I haven't learned any fantasy languages yet and I do want to learn mm-hmm. high valerian but the problem is I don't like to learn okay, yeah so I'm waiting for someone to come out with a high valerian course yeah 
I think there's something on YouTube because I, I had looked at it as well. And I think there is a guy doing some videos on YouTube, but I haven't really looked into it. Mm -hmm. But I think if you look on YouTube, there should be something. There is a guy explaining like the basics yeah, and such. So, yeah, because last time I checked Duolingo, right. they didn't have audio for it as well. So it was a bit like, uh, how do I learn it? You know, so right right because because i actually want to i do want to interview david mm -hmm. j peterson um, okay who created it um i actually want to get him i want to get him on the show actually i've been trying to see if i can get um before the end of the year is out i want to see if i can get george R. Whoa, R. okay that's nice that yeah. would be that would be really like <laughs> well i mean amazing to talk about languages yeah, and fix, like is, talking about I, languages with him would be absolutely incredible no oh my god like okay i know i've arrived when i can get steven trashing on my show mm -hmm. yeah which i did like i'm going to interview him next month but i mean i it, arriving for me was getting like richard and alex to come mm -hmm. on my show and like Ollie to come on my show and Kirsten and Lindsay to I mean yes I know yeah. they're people and I'm fully aware of that but I mean in the grand scheme of things when you sit there and think about it you're having this lovely out of body experience like holy crap you know did this really happen did I really have this conversation I mean mm -hmm. you've had that those where after interviewing a certain person like when I interviewed Susanna Sarevsky for instance mm -hmm back in December, when I hung up from interviewing her, I had this outer body experience. I had to realize who I had just interviewed because I had saw her story on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And I, and I was like, I connected the two and realized who I was talking to for almost an hour. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, you interview someone, you get them to, to open up to you. And then once you're done, you connect the dots after the fact. And I'm like, my God, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, I mean, for me, it was, it was, it was an interesting experience. And she's an interesting person, actually. And, um, I, you know, when I got to interview Lydia Mahova mm -hmm. 24 hours before her TED Talk came on, and I had, that was the most listeners I had gotten in, like, that amount of time i think it was like 2500 people mm -hmm. had listened to that to you know my podcast show during that time because she had just came out with her ted talk mm -hmm. and so i mean i the fact remained that you know when you get to interview someone like Connor klein or tim keely or you know all these other people it's like you sit there and you well i follow these people on facebook i follow these wow you know <laughs> And then in the back of your head, you're like, they came on my show. I'm actually being taken seriously. All my, <laughs> you know, because when you're doing something like this, you don't know. Yeah. How, if, if, so, if one person's going to hear you, let alone anybody else, or if someone's going to really come on your show, or if, you know, I mean, if you've been used to rejection and people saying no, then when you see someone say yes, the reality is a lot more different 
for you to be able to handle mm -hmm. on a personal level because it's like oh my god like I'm being taken seriously here wow <laughs> you know and I mean I had to I had to literally separate myself for a minute and realize oh well I guess my show is making a difference because I I mean I didn't touch I didn't check the analytics until a couple of weeks ago mm -hmm. to find out that a hundred people in Sweden was listening to me a hundred people in Switzerland and Italy and all these other places. And I didn't realize how much of an impact I was having on people until I looked at the analytics. And then it made me think, Oh, well, I need to keep doing this. Yeah. This is working. You know, I might not be getting one dime, but it's working. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so I said, you know, um, I'm very grateful for everybody who's come on my show. Um, people who I haven't interviewed yet, I'm grateful for them saying yes. Um, you know, everybody's like, oh, I know who she is. You know, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm like, wow. You know, I mean, because for me, I'm just this going on 42-year-old, you know, African-American, partially blind girl with a guide dog. And, you know, I like talking about languages and and food and, and theater and film and whatnot and you know I didn't realize how much of an impact my little show could have on such a large group of people mm -hmm. yeah until like two weeks ago I mean and that says volumes I mean that gives me a lot of you know motivation to keep going and come up with new ideas mm -hmm. yeah. and um, like Kirsten said this morning uh, she said um, you know, this language sphere is, is big enough for everybody to contribute in their own way, whether it's a podcast show or a book or, you know, a language festival or whatever it is, mm -hmm. you know, and that, you know, no one's trying to hog up the, the community. And I think the more people that come out with things, the more variety people have to, to share you know, their knowledge of things and, 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 and language. And it, to me, it's, it's, it's an amazing gift, you know, to, to be able to say you can learn something. Um, it, because you never stop learning the older you get. Mm, that's and, true. Um, Cause I have a, a, my grandma, she has dementia and she's going on 92 years old. And so it's hereditary. And that's another reason that I learn constantly, whether it's languages, whether it's learning how to create a website for the first time, whatever it is, I keep learning because uh, I am a curious person. Mm -hmm. So with that, um, you know, in the back of my head, you know, you learn a language or two, it takes off four or five years of you getting Alzheimer's or dementia. And so you know, when I think of her and, I mean, she still remembers her family, but it's the short-term stuff. Like, she can watch a soap opera, but don't ask her an hour later what happened. Mm. You know, because it's going to be difficult for her to recall that. Yeah. You know, and so, you know, I guess when I'm sitting here and I'm doing my podcast or I'm learning something new, I, I realize, you know, I'm I'm not just learning for myself. I'm learning for other people that, you know, are suffering with a, a family member or a friend or a loved one that has dementia, Alzheimer's, 
you know, and, um, you know, the more you learn, the more you know, the more you grow as a human being, the more connected you can be to, you know, this, this language umbrella community worldwide. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, that's the one thing you can't, you know, claim ownership of, you know, you acquire a language, you can't buy it, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, you can't sell it. I mean, you can sell your expertise, mm -hmm. like teaching it, but you can't sell the language. I mean, there's no such thing. And, yeah. you know, like people seem to think that because they're a native speaker of this language, X language, I own the language. Don't butcher my language. Well, native speakers butcher their own language. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter where you come from. <laughs> you're going to you're going to make mistakes in your own mother tongue. It's just a part of human nature. Yeah. Human condition. Yeah. We're all we all are going to make mistakes. I tell my Asian friends all the time, continue to make mistakes. It's okay. <laughs> you know, because they they somehow have it ingrained in the back of their brain that they need to, you know, um, not make mistakes be perfect when speaking mm -hmm. and i said oh no 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 you're not going to learn anything if you don't like i catch myself when i'm using michelle thomas um you know i'll make a mistake and then i'll say well wait a minute it's supposed to be said this way you're supposed to put lingua, lingua before you say italiano mm -hmm. okay not after okay you're supposed to put this here instead of this blah 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 well, you know, some people, uh, you know, um, do it the other way around. You know, they, they translate in their head. Yeah. Because their vocabulary isn't very high. And I said, what you need to do is just do a lot of listening and a lot of reading. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you do listening and reading, your vocabulary will shoot up so fast it's unreal. Yeah, I agree. Um, sure. um, like I do believe in Stephen Krashen's uh, comprehensible input method. Um, I use it a lot, and I just I'll keep stuff in the background. Like I listen to um, podcast Italiano. Mm -hmm. Um, I listen to that. I listen to advanced Italian. Um, I listen to the news in Italian. I mean, a lot of stuff that's news related business related you know i'll listen to that in italian um i have harry potter in italian i don't have game of thrones yet in italian. <laughs> i'm looking for that but um um i did i did listen to it in french first before i even listened to it in english mm -hmm. um so for me personally and i do have it in russian one of the books in russian but for me personally, um, I like to get my hands on, on books that I haven't read in Italian, like The Godfather, something that, you know, is, I might have seen the movie a dozen times or more, and then, you know, read it in that, you know, because uh, I, I haven't even read The Godfather in English. So this is, you know, for me, it's, it's um, a nice experience that I'm like a hundred almost 200 pages into the book so yeah I I'm enjoying that a great deal along with listening to um uh Abigail Italiano mm -hmm. which I, I find that I find the language in that 
series to be so spot on, you know, I can, I can pick up a lot of the vocabulary and what they're saying. And unlike a lot of people, I listen to all the languages in their natural speed. Mm -hmm. I don't slow anything down because I feel like if I slow it down, then when I'm trying to listen to someone speak in a, at their actual speed, it, it's going to throw me off. Mm -hmm. So I might as well just listen to it in a regular speed. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that helps out a lot. Like I was listening to uh, Ollie Richards speak Italian on his YouTube channel. And it was like 14 minutes worth of Italian. And I understood 90% of what he was saying. And I, all I did was take six weeks out of my time and just listen to Italian here and there, mm -hmm. you know, passively without even thinking about it. And um, so, you know, it, it's kind of funny. People are like, well, how do you remember all the grammar? I was like, it's not that difficult in Italian. It's really not <laughs> that hard as people think. It's not, I mean, because I took Spanish. Yeah, and it helps, yeah. It's really not, it's not as hard as people think it is. I mean, you know, you got to remember row and raw. You got to hit mm -hmm. those endings and, you know, rebe and, and you know, remo and then remo, mm -hmm. you know, the double end. Yeah. And, and you, 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 there's just a lot, I mean, it's, Honestly, to me, it's not that difficult. Yeah, it really isn't. Um, I mean, we we when you I I'll get the grammar down, and then you know, I'll know how to say this or say that or whatever. But at the end of the day, I do like small little goals. So if I want to go somewhere like an Italian restaurant where they actually speak Italian. Order me some food in Italian. That'd be a goal. Mm. Have a small conversation in Italian. Okay, if I make it to Italy, then I'll I'll think about doing more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, in that regard. But if I want to have a conversation with someone in a, you know in Italian, I'll shoot for something like as simple as B one. Give myself about nine months to get there. Mm -hmm. You know, just I, it might be sooner, but I'll give myself nine months. That way, you know, I can work out the kinks. And so I tell my listeners all the time, you want to work out the kinks. You don't want to rush it. You want to take your time. You know, I mean, the only person you have to compete with is yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because this is a very, very arduous, long journey you're going on. And, you know, it depends on how, how proficient you want to be in the language. In regards to speaking it, do you want to be fluent to where it flows, where it's at a B1, or do you want to be at a B2? Mm -hmm. You know, do you just want to be conversational, A2? Okay, fine. But to think, okay, I'm going to become fluent in three months. Uh, I might get to an A2 in three mm -hmm. months. Yeah. Depends on what your, your time frame is, you know. And, and I think a lot of people seem to assume that you're supposed to rush it. Mm -hmm. You know, they're looking at all these people that are, that spoken and learned so many languages. I'll use Ollie Richards' prime example. He's been doing this for 20 years? Mm -hmm. 
something like that. So he, okay, he started with French. He didn't know a damn thing. But he started with French and then Spanish and Portuguese and Japanese, Cantonese, Egyptian Arabic. And a lot of it was because, some of it was because he wanted to and some of it was because of work reasons. He did a little bit of Thai, a little bit of uh, Korean, and some German. And it was like, I'm not fluent like C1 in all these languages at all. I might speak five or six pretty well on a good day. But that doesn't mean it's like that every single day. Mm -hmm. You know, certain things I've forgotten, so forth and so on. And um, I said, we were, when I interviewed him back in October, I said, you know, I kind of feel like people have this, this idea that, you know, they want to be fluent in like 90 days. Mm. Well, okay, I would love to pay $200 to do at one challenge, but guess what? I'm not going to pay $200 to do at one challenge because realistically, it wouldn't take me long to be able to have a 15-minute conversation with somebody in in that language if I was really dedicated mm-hmm. to it. I want to be able to have a two-hour conversation with someone mm-hmm. with not having to break into English. Not 15 minutes. It's not going to benefit me. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a conversation on the phone. So, you know, and I I spent two hours with someone speaking Russian. They didn't speak English. English wasn't even a part of the equation. They knew German. My German sucks. So, you know, I spoke Russian. Mm-hmm. And I got them to laugh in Russian. And I I understood more after doing it for two and a half years, going on three years, than... You know, I, I took my time with it. I didn't rush it, you know. And the person that I was speaking to pretty much adopted me into their family. Okay. okay. Made me, um, said to me, your Russian's really good. You're fluent. And this is after doing nothing but listening and speaking. Did I actually go through a whole book? No. I listened to the news. I listen to Putin talk. I listen to certain podcasts. I didn't even listen to music. I just, you know, I listen to TV shows, actual speech that was being spoken by real people, mm-hmm. you know, and and that works. And then I, I found my method on, on how to do it. And and I, I try to apply that same method to French and to Italian and I did six weeks of Cantonese using Mango languages recently. And after six weeks, I picked up the phone and called a Chinese restaurant down the street and started speaking Cantonese and ordered some food. I even ordered a dish that was made in Hong Kong that they don't even make here in the U.S. And the person actually laughed because they were like, I've not heard anybody ever order what you wanted because I wanted barbecue bun. Mm -hmm. And... I didn't know that they didn't sell that at this restaurant. They were like, oh, they only make that in Hong Kong. I'm like, oh, guys, I. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
you know? And they was like, no, your Cantonese is good. Keep going. I mean, you know, and I mean, I get, I get motivated to motivate people like that. I'll tell people, do that, you know, do something small. Like I want to order something over the phone, you know, like some food, because mm-hmm. that's easy to do. You know, you can learn that relatively quickly. And, you know, I'm doing the same thing with Thai. I'm going to go to a Thai restaurant here in Akron and I want to order me some food and have a short conversation with Thai. Okay. Yeah. And so, I mean, those are the types of things that I try to encourage my listeners and the people that I tutor online using social media to do. And they're like, I don't think I've ever tried that before. I'm like, you might want to because it's a lot of fun and you're not, it's, you're, you don't think of it as work. You don't think of it as studying. If you try to plan an event like that, like I want to go out and order some food or I want to go on the website and order me something in Italian or I actually did that. I, I switched my phone over to Italian, was able to navigate my phone and nothing but Italian and switch back to English. So I know my Italian is pretty high <laughs> if I can do that mm-hmm. and understand post in Italian. And, you know, so I was like, once I start really activating it, it'll, it'll, it'll come. Mm-hmm. I know that much mm-hmm. for, for me personally. So, but for my listeners, you know, this is the type of stuff I like to bring up because they're so, they want, most of them want to speak English. And that was another reason I created it for was because it's people speaking English. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not textbook. Yeah. It's, it's a full conversation. And so, you know, and people are like, I love this. This is so great. And I'm like, well, you're welcome. I mean, because I might not be able to write out a course, but I'm able to create a podcast and that's just as better because mm-hmm. it's out there. You can download it. You can listen to it as many times as you want to. It's at natural speed. And, you know, you get to learn grammar. You get to learn, you know, just from listening to the person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and that that means something to me. I, I do feel like I am teaching someone something by doing this every week. So, yeah. But to wrap this up, um, if there were three things that you could um, advise someone that's that's new mm-hmm. to language learning, what would those three things be? Okay, so the first thing um, to keep track of what you're doing, so to keep a language journal, so not necessarily in your target language, but just... Um, a place where you write or you record or however you want to keep track, like what you're doing, how you feel about it and what is working for you and what is not. Because I think that, um, as you said, there are so many experts out there and maybe we want to take all advice that we receive, but we have to find our own way. And I think that writing about it is really helpful to understand what works for us and what doesn't. Um, The second thing is to use creativity in your language learning, which can be um, using a lot of authentic materials for input, as you were saying, um, but also just creating the language and not be 
um, afraid to make a mess. You know, if you want to write a little poem in your target language, just do it. And, you know, don't be afraid of messing the grammar up. Like, just have fun with it because that will give you a lot. Um, and the third thing is to be kind to us, to yourself, because um, we will make mistakes in the process. And it doesn't really help to just say, um, like, tell yourself, oh, you're stupid or, or you're not doing this right um, and things like that. I think that it's much better to um, be kind to yourself and to accept that you will get there with time and that every mistake and every setback in the way is just a step um, to learning a language in the way that you want. Thank you so much for coming on to the show today. I really appreciate it. Even though we had some technical difficulties in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, I was able to save all of the recordings, so it'll all get put okay. together. Okay. Okay. This, this interview will probably come out next week or the week mm -hmm. after next. Probably next week for sure, because um, I'm going on vacation um, Friday. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so someone asked me what was I doing. I was like, absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's a good I, I mean i will I, I will have company come over the weekend and then i'm i'm going to be leaving to go to cleveland because next weekend's my birthday mm -hmm. okay so i'm going to be turning 42 and i'm going to spend it with my family because i haven't seen them in six months mm -hmm. So that's that's but while i'm doing that i'm i'm going to be planning um the beginning stages of my um, language learning um, conference for next year. Mm -hmm. So, you know, purchasing a domain name and all that type of stuff and seeing if I can get help putting together a website. And, mm -hmm. and I'm going to do the social media side of it and, and, and get more people involved to help me behind the scenes and getting people to commit, so forth and so on. So, yeah, I, that's what I'm doing. And I probably will be back on the air recording more interviews starting the 15th of next month mm -hmm. but the interviews that i'm recording this week will go out one after another like next week the week after and the week after mm -hmm. so people will still get a episode coming their way i just won't be recording anything until i get back mm -hmm. yeah um so but um yeah i said I'm, i need to take a little bit of a break because i've been doing this since july 19th mm -hmm. Yeah. of last year yeah so yeah. i said it's time for a break, a break. yeah and yeah so but to everybody out there um thank you for listening thank you for subscribing to the podcast and now i'm on podbean.com b-o-d-b-e-a-n.com and you can listen to chanel's language learning journey podcast on podbean spotify google play store apple um podcast and any other platform where you can download podcasts from please subscribe please tell a friend um you know text tweet facebook it throw it up on youtube um you know give me a rating and review it helps me get higher up in the rankings and it also helps people find the podcast um thank you to um alina gabrilli for coming on to the show today. Thank you. And remember, everybody, 
language learning is a journey, not a race. Enjoy the process and enjoy the podcast. And I will see you guys in the next episode of Chanel's Language Learning Journey podcast. Arrivederci a tutti. Ciao.